Jackson. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A. Never give up. All coming up with Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany on Star Style. Be the star you are. It's next. It's right here. It's right now. So tune in. Did you know that teens with low self-esteem who feel they don't fit in are more vulnerable to peer pressure, more likely to have depressive reactions, eating disorders, higher rates of alcohol and drug abuse, criminal involvement, suicide attempts, and be involved with risky behaviors? You can help make a difference by sponsoring this radio program, Be The Star You Are. Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, positive media, and donates positive books to increase literacy. Call 877-944-STAR, S-T-A-R. For more information or visit our website at bethestarur.org. Also, you can make a PayPal donation at www.bethestarur.org. Thank you for helping our youth succeed. Housing Solutions Today, your resource for all facets of the prefabricated home. Join host Marilyn Midhour as she interviews community leaders, lenders, and industry insiders about benefits of the prefabricated homes. Learn how these homes are much more than a trailer house on Housing Solutions Today, bright and early, Thursday mornings at 8 on World Talk Radio Studio A. Listen. Are you ready? The world is talking. Are you ready? World Talk Radio. Welcome to Radio's Finest Power Hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, a program of positive book talk with authors and experts that help you excel in life while experiencing its beauty. My name is Cynthia Bryan. I'm always happy to be your personal growth success coach on the airwaves with you right here every week. Get ready to pump your energy, love, learn, laugh, listen, and live your dreams because we are a show about following your heart, doing what you love, and we hope to inspire, encourage, motivate, and challenge you to be the star you already are. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by the Carmony Collection. Visit CarmonyCollections.com for your personal handcrafted handbags or canvases. You can call 619-286-1099. The Miracle Moment is from Benjamin Disraeli, who was a British statesman and prime minister. Nurture your mind with great thoughts, for you will never go any higher than you think. How true that is. A sneak preview of our fabulous program for you today includes author Dr. Jed Baker as he helps every parent rid the embarrassment of child tantrums with his book, No More Meltdowns, and shows us how we can really help our kids cope. 
In segment two, get healthy, get in shape with fitness expert and researcher Phoenix Gilman. She'll reveal the secrets of weight loss with her book, Diet Failure, The Naked Truth. And in tea for two, a mother-daughter brew, Heather, Brittany, and I go on vacation to travel you around the world and give you travel safety tips, keep you protected from the predators as you go on your holiday. So as you can see, we have another sizzling show. Well, every parent knows the scenario. You're in the grocery store. You're attempting to buy staples for your dinner that night. You know, you're trying to juggle a million things. When your five-year-old demands a candy bar, proceeds to throw a tantrum when he doesn't get his way, embarrassed, frustrated, angry, you leave your filled grocery cart, you drag your little quote-unquote devil child out of the store, and you can't understand why these meltdowns happen, especially in public places. Well, just listen to the soothing voice of Dr. Jed Baker. As you will hear in his book, No More Meltdowns, he explains what we can do to help ourselves as parents, educators, and guardians, as well as help our children cope. Welcome, Dr. Jed, to Be the Star You Are. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, you say in your book, Jed, that children's behavior is not a threat to our competence as parents, although when they really act out, we feel very incompetent. But it's really a child's inability to cope with any particular situation. So what do you advise as being the first step to teach our children at any age how to have more emotional control? Yeah, well, uh, their emotional control starts with our emotional control. The first step as a parent is handling our own discomfort. For sure, our kids will share their discomfort when they're melting down with us. And if we can um, hold on to our own emotions and not see it necessarily as a power struggle um, and shift to, you know, the, real, the first struggle is can we control our own emotions. If we can do that, we can think thoughtfully about how we want to respond to our kids, how to soothe them in the middle of a meltdown, and perhaps more importantly, how to prevent future meltdowns if you find yourself having the same problem all the time. Well, your book is No More Meltdowns, and it's positive strategies for managing and preventing out-of-control behavior. And, of course, you, you touch on different disorders, you know, such as ADD or autism, where there tends to be higher incidences, I suppose, of meltdowns. But are, have you, over your number of years working with kids and working in the school system and, and working in, in helping with behaviors, have you noticed that there's a rise in, you know, in meltdown behavior with kids these days? Well, there certainly is a rise. The parents' attitudes towards it? Well, there, I didn't catch the last question the, about parents' attitudes. Well, I, I just wonder from a personal standpoint if the parents are reacting differently to their kids than perhaps when our parents were reacting to us or you know, older generations, or is it, I know you talk about, you know, diet and eating habits and time out. I, I don't know if it's the case that parents are I'm really... I'm wondering, is there more now? Because I tend to see it more, maybe I just wasn't aware of it before. Yeah, Cynthia, I don't, I don't know if it's really a, a, a tremendous um, difference in the way people are reacting, but I do think there are actually more... Um, of these kinds of disorders being diagnosed, it's, uh, it, it's recognized more widely. Um, I think that uh, it is possible that there, is, uh, there are sort of things going on within our environment that make those who are vulnerable uh, more likely to develop some of these challenges. So I think we really are seeing 
you know, greater numbers of autism, ADHD, and among, uh, among other things. But the issue is, you know, a meltdown is, is when, you know, in some ways uh, kids are overwhelmed by their emotion. The emotion sort of hijacks the rest of the brain, and they're not really thinking about what they're doing. That's more likely to happen if you do have certain special needs because the world becomes a bit more of a threatening place. If you have learning problems, school is a more threatening place. If you're impulsive, um, it's going to be harder to wait for things. If you have language issues, it's harder to negotiate things in the world. So kids who have special needs may be more prone to, to having those challenges. But all kids have meltdowns, and they always did, even, even when our parents were, uh, were raising us. You know, and one thing that you make really clear from the beginning is that discipline is an important part of raising kids. However, in your experience, what you have really found is that meltdowns are extending beyond just the simple discipline that we think of, of, you know, keep your kids in check. Sure, that's exactly. Kids are overwhelmed, they're overstressed, or they're overstimulated, and something is triggering it. And so we as, uh, as adults really need to figure out the reasons and not just mask the, the problem or the symptoms. That's exactly right. You know, discipline is a starting po- a point. It gives us structure. We need to have rules, consequences for, following, for not following those rules. The issue is when discipline is no longer working. What if we're having the same problem? You talk about the grocery store or you talk about, you know, bringing kids back from the park to stop playing or, you know, it's summertime, come in from the pool, come in from the park. And, you know, if you find that you're chronically having meltdowns around those situations, and you've already been very consistent about discipline. You know, well, we can't go to the pool tomorrow because you melted down or time out, et cetera. And you're still having those same problems. Then we have to say, okay, why is this happening? And this book really is about proactive strategies to prevent those meltdowns, not just how to react to kids with sort of, you know, the same old parenting advice around discipline, but that's important. It's a starting point, but we need to know what the triggers are. And, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. When we know what a particular trigger is, we can develop a plan. For example... Well, and this is what you have uh, been so great at doing, is, and you have, you have um, example after example in your book of using children in different scenarios and how you have helped parents approach it, whether it be in giving them some type of a simple reward or uh, making a, a type of consequence or whether it's just acknowledging it, giving them a hug, whatever. Why don't we start with how we can anticipate um, the frustrations that our kids learn and yeah. how can we help them de-stress so that we can avoid these power struggles? Well, well, let me give you two approaches here. We need approaches for what to do in the midst of a meltdown when you don't even know why it's occurring and it's, and it's going on longer than we're comfortable with and it's not feeling good for anybody. You know, so at those moments, uh, in, in some ways, our kids may not be reasonable. We've tried logic, we've tried consequences not working. Sometimes we have to shift sets and think, oh, okay, this is an emotional issue. This isn't about logic here. How do I soothe my kids? So for little kids, yeah, a hug, a bounce on a lap, uh, their favorite teddy bear, all could serve as a soother or a distractor. For older kids, if I know their special interests, I always have them uh, with me. For my own kids, I have an eight and a six-year-old. I keep with me um, certain trading cards, like Yu-Gi-Oh cards, Pokemon cards. I keep them in my pocket the way some people keep an EpiPen for those with allergic reactions. I keep them in my pocket because I know if my son or daughter is having a, a struggle, you know, and they're not hearing me, I can't even get their attention. If I pull out those cards, hey, come here, I want you to see these cards for a second. Do you have this card? How much is this worth? And all of a sudden, they begin to calm, they get distracted, and then we can go back to having a logical discussion. 
But that's you know, the- I found that a really great example because uh, so often we we as parents feel like, okay, put away the cards, you know, put put away the uh, the Game Boy, whatever. But that's really something that they're interested in, and so if we can connect with them on their level, then it it does calm them down and make them feel a little bit more safe. It's, so that's how you're really going to de-escalate from a meltdown. Yeah. But now, when you go to creating a, a prevention plan, as you said in the beginning, every child is really different. So uh, why don't we talk about some of the, the skills that we need to learn that would be before something triggers, so that when something happens, we can acknowledge it and then deflect it. Yeah. Well, Cynthia, we talked about what to do in the moment of a crisis, how to distract. But if we want to get ahead of these problems, we have to systematically understand what the triggers are. And so how do we do that? When, we, when our kid is having a repeat problem, it's time to take out a journal and begin keeping track of it. And what we're looking for are certain triggers. And I can give you a plan for each of these kinds of triggers, but, but uh, very common triggers are some of the obvious stuff like hunger and overtiredness. Sometimes sensory issues, kids are over, overstimulated or it's too much noise. But other consistent triggers for kids might be a frustrating task like homework or doing a chore, having to clean up, um, getting ready for the bus in the morning. So those are what we call demands, frustrating tasks. Another one would be um, where they have to wait for something. Some kids have a, a very difficult time waiting for what they want. And if they don't get what they want, they're going to melt down. Um, if we know that's the issue, then we can have a plan de- uh, to help them learn how to wait, uh, which I can describe in just a little bit. I mean, we also have um, what we would call threats to self-esteem as another category that can be a trigger. And these are things like, for many kids, losing a game, making a That mistake. one was so big, you know, because it really brought in that whole idea of was this bullying or was this just a child thinking that they weren't liked? I mean, you, you talk about the little boy in the book that, you know, he asked if he could play Foursquare, and they said not now or we started, and, and he immediately thought they didn't like him, and then he acts out because that's a self-esteem issue. Absolutely. It's a threat to self-esteem. He feels he's disliked. And so if we just treat that with discipline, we, we never get ahead. And in the book, we describe how, in fact, the school and parents had been sort of very consistent in their discipline plan, but getting nowhere until they understood that he was interpreting people's uh, responses when they said, no, you, you can't play right now as a rejection. And in truth, what these kids were telling him was, hey, you've got to wait until we choose up new sides, till we're done with the game. When we taught him this and we re- reminded him of this just seconds before he went out to play, he didn't have the problem. The model in the book talks about not only teaching kids skills, but changing the trigger once we know it. If we knew rejection is a trigger for him, we can make it less likely for him to be rejected at recess. We created a peer buddy program, so I had more kids to play with. I thought that was really, really fabulous that you did that, you know, that you were able to to incorporate that into the school system and then have the peers that, that would help kids really assimilate more and just help them feel more wanted and liked in school. Yeah, I mean, let me give you another really good concrete example of this kind of thing. I have tons of kids who can't tolerate making a mistake or losing a game. They're perfectionists. And so if we know that's the issue, we can change that trigger for them. That is, we better schedule for them activities that they are pretty good at so they're making less mistakes. But then we need to teach them a skill. And the skill is 
that we're more interested in how they handle losing and making a mistake than, than we are in whether they win or do things perfectly. And we can actually put them on a point system. And we can say to them, you know, every time you make a mistake and don't get mad, I'm going to give you three points. If you, if you get everything done perfectly, well, that's just worth two points. Uh, and we can say, you know, if you lose a game and you don't get mad, that's worth three points. If you win the game, whatever, that's just two points. You actually get more points when you make mistakes. When you make mistakes and handle it. And now if we really want that to work, we've got to go over this seconds before the activity. So you're going off to your little league game, and we're going to say to this kid, listen, you know, if you strike out, if your team loses and you're, and you're able to, uh, you know, be cool about that, of course you lose a game, you win a friend if you don't get mad, and we're going to celebrate big time. We're going to go out for ice cream afterwards. On the other hand, if you win the game, well, whatever, no big deal. But if you lose and you can handle it, oh, we're going to celebrate. Well, one of the things I think is so crucial and so different about your book that's really helpful is you have a quick reference guide at when you deal with every issue. So there's a quick reference guide for problem stopping a fun activity where somebody doesn't want to come in from the pool or whatever, or when they have a problem waiting or dealing with losing or making mistakes, as you said. But I was wondering from your expertise, some of these issues, like a fear of making mistakes, wanting to be a perfectionist, where does that start from in the beginning? Is that something where they have just seen or heard, overheard adults, you know, uh, being critical about other people who make mistakes? You know, hard that's to say. really a tough one, and we have to, you know, we're all humans, so we're going to make lots of mistakes, sure, so we sure. really need to get over that one as a, at a young age. Sure. I mean, listen, there's both, sort of, there's both sort of our genetics and our environment that contributes to that kind of thing. Some people are a little bit more rigid uh, and inflexible about things, and things need to be perfect, and, and that's, you know, just part of who they are in some ways. Some of that can be contributed by parents modeling that kind of behavior, or sometimes uh, maybe um, not intentionally, um, but giving the message that they, the kid really does need to be perfect. And so the, the good news is, whether you're born that way, whether the parents are doing we can change that behavior. We can help you to become more tolerant of the idea of a learning curve, that we don't come right out of the womb perfect, that we learn things, and it takes time. And see, that's what's really exciting is that all these behaviors which are viewed as being negative and disruptive and, and really hard on family dynamics and exhausting for the parents, they can all be transformed into something positive. And it's just a matter of taking the time and putting in the energy to stop the triggers to understand what's going on. And your book is so helpful for this. No More Meltdowns is the name of the book, Positive Strategies for Managing and Preventing Out-of-Control Behavior by Dr. Jed Baker. And it's just, Jed, I love the way you put it together. It's just very simple reading with wonderful examples that I can relate to as a parent. And I'm sure every parent has had one of these kids, if not several of these behaviors in here. Yeah, well, it's not just about meltdown. It's about challenging behaviors, and all parents get challenged by their kids. You know, and these are real situations that we go through in the book. They're real kids with real issues that came up. I want to oh, point and you out. You also have at the at the back of the book your closing thoughts on how to find your way, and um, I like this prevention plan form so that people can actually take their own, um, you know, take some some responsibility for themselves and make a plan for how they're going to change the behavior and think about. Their own, um, their own lives and their own family. Well, Jed, I thank you very much for writing the book, for being on the show. Let's give out the website. It's www.fhautism.com. And is there a, a website for the book? 
Yeah, I mean, you can also go to social skills training project.com. Social that, skills. That will list not only the books, project. but also workshops and other things we're doing. That would be great because I really feel that this is so helpful for parents. And, you know, in, now that we're all working out there, we need all the help we can get. And our goal is to raise really happy, socially adjusted children. And this book, No More Meltdowns, gives us that tool. Jeff, thanks for being on Be The Star You Are. Keep doing what you're doing and preventing that out-of-control behavior. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much, Cynthia. Thank you, Jed. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style. Be The Star You Are. When we come back, you're going to learn the naked truth about diet failure and how to keep in shape and be beautiful inside and out. Stay with us. Lots to come. All I ever dream of is business and show business is no stroll in the park.